All right, we're back with your top 10 of Yo. the decade. Your top 10 of the 2010s. My number 10 is a motherfucking masterpiece. Is it one that I have? Yes. It's called The Master. Okay, we're not even going to talk about that yet. No, we're going to move on. And I'm going to raise you inside Lewin Davis, my 10. <laughs> we're not going to talk about that yet. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm going to bring up, okay, what's your number 9? <laughs> Young Adult. Hot take. Go off on it. Oh my god. This movie, I can't. Like, <laughs> I don't know where to begin on how much I love it. Like, deeply love it. I've been so, hearing a lot of love for this film lately on a lot of end of the decade lists. Yeah, it's really, like, held up well. And it's something that I think over time has gotten, like, more iconic. Um, so it's written by Diablo Cody and directed by Jason Reitman. Which is, like, they also paired up oh. for, for Juno. Yeah. So they first did Juno together. Diablo Cody wrote Tully? Yes. Word. Uh, So then they teamed up for this one as well, but it's a completely different, completely different vibe from Juno. So it's about this woman in her 30s, played by Charlize Theron, to perfection. Like, brilliant performance. Who really never aged past high school, for specific reasons that you find out later in the movie. Uh, And she's just like this bratty... Um, woman that doesn't really have any close relationships. She doesn't really have anything real in her life. She, um, you know, just kind of, she wakes up, drinks Diet Coke, watches reality TV, tries to write because she's a writer. That's how she makes her living um, and then doesn't really. And, like, there's so many little details in it that are, like, brilliant. Like, when she needs to print something out, like, of course she was too lazy to get printer ink so she has to like spit on the um cartridge so that it'll produce a little bit more ink like just little things like that that they add into the movie that that really builds a character and uh she has to go home to her hometown because she's in love with patrick wilson my new neighbor um (laughs) (laughs) literally uh and he's great in the movie too and he 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 gives this pitch perfect performance as this regular everyman guy like just total normal cute guy from Minnesota, inoffensive, like, just perfect. And Patton Oswalt has a supporting role, which it's... Word. He's really good in it. He plays a disabled guy. He's a great film actor. He's so good. And, uh, and he, when Was he... Was a big fan from this decade, or is that way older? I don't know, but I haven't seen that. It is insane. But he... 2009. Yeah, he plays a disabled guy, and, like... She obviously thinks she's, like, so much better than him. And, like, she only teams up with him in the movie because she doesn't have anyone else that'll even, like, really give her the time of day. And, uh, you know, she's um, she's trying to steal the Patrick Wilson character away from his wife because she dated him in high school. And so now it's, like, 20 years later. He's married with a baby and he has this nice wife. Again, like, just normal people. Nothing, you know, is she the most gorgeous woman in the world? No. Is she the most exciting woman in the world? Is she, you know, this glamorous blonde like Charlize? No, she's not. But he loves her and she's a great person. And, like, he doesn't need to have, like, a model girl. You know what I mean? Like, Like, she has that kind of, like, like, old Hollywood mentality of, like, oh, if you, you know, if you're not, like... Um, this, like, glamorous, like, perfect woman, like, you know, she thinks she can just go there and steal him away, and, like, it'll be so easy, and it's not, obviously. He's, like, a nice person. Uh, and she has, like, this meltdown, like, she's very, like, subdued during the whole movie, like, she's just has a certain mood about her, which is, like, the bratty teen mood, and then she kind of, like, loses it, um, toward the end of the movie, and it's just one of the best scenes of ever, never mind the decade, but it's just... 
this is one of those movies that is pitch perfect. It doesn't really have a nice, neat resolution at the end of the movie because this isn't that character. She's 100% an anti-hero. One of the best female anti-heroes because, you know, you usually have that kind of character. It's like the Walter White or whatever. It's usually a male character. And this is nowhere near Walter White. Like, she's not a murderer or anything like that. She's just not the best person as a result of, like, her traumatic past. And uh, I just, I just very, uh, I just, I've seen it so many times this decade, and I could watch it right now and be completely as captivated as I was the first time. I really want to watch it now. Oh, it's unreal. I think it's in the films to see. I don't know. What do you guys think? Does it, it make it? It might not be. Honestly, I don't think it like, is. Is it? It's very borderline, but I don't know. I've been hearing a lot of really great things. No, it's not on the list. I thought it was. Oh well. Oh well. I'll watch it anyway. Go fine, fine. Thank you. My number nine uh, was Call Me By Your Name, which Mine we've talked higher. about. Oh! It's wow. much higher, yep. Wow. So what's your number eight? The Descendants. Wow! Word. Have you seen it? No. <gasps> or wait, no, no, I have seen it. No, I'm joking. Oh my god, I was going to pass out. <laughs> uh, for some reason, when you said that, I just like turned off Alexander Payne and then brought up that Disney thing. <laughs> and I was like, no, I have not seen the Disney show The Descendants. Oh my god. That, that child actor died. Imagine if, that, imagine if that TV series was higher on my list than The Masters. <laughs> like, oh wow, you like The Descendants so much. I, I want to hear this. Okay, so it's. Yeah. It is a very complex film, and also, yeah. So my acting teacher is in this movie, Matthew Lillard. I just want to say that. Um, so yeah, he. Wait, he, Matthew Lillard? Yeah, he had a very. He had a big impact on me because I took his class uh, when I was not ready to take it. Like, I was nowhere near the actor that you should have been, like, the caliber of actor in order to take that class. I just got very lucky to be in it. And he had just done Descendants, like, because I took the class in 2012. Um, so he had just done Descendants, and he was, like, very affected by that. And he was, like, very... Um, like so proud of it and like very determined to do like that kind of level of quality work after and like so I just felt like I caught him at a really really good time but anyway um the movie is absolutely devastating and uh I love that they took Hawaii which is like this vacation destination that most people use as like a gimmick in their movies yeah. uh and they just showed like the real side of it which is like a lot of people actually just live there like it's not you know everyone's not partying all the time and like laying on the beach like it's just a normal place um as well as a vacation destination and George Clooney you know he's not playing some hot shot guy like he's playing in other, any other movie he's not wearing a nice business suit with his hair slicked back the whole time like of course he still looks handsome but it's a, a more stripped down version of the character that he can the kind of characters he can play and he gives a brilliant brilliant performance like completely pulls everything back like um you know like it's the epitome of like you know a director saying okay do less like, he does so little, but so much with it. And uh, Shailene Woodley, I feel like this is the first time we saw her, like, outside of the... Um, she did that that show where she's pregnant. She gets pregnant at 16 or whatever on um, ABC Family. And, like, this was a totally different level of quality for her. And, like, she really sells her part as well. And I love the kind of, like, no-bullshit aspect of her character and how she and the dad team up on this, like, adventure... Um, or misadventure of, you know, traveling around the island to try to find out what the real deal is with, um, you know, uh, the his wife and Shailene's mother. She is in a coma due to, like, a water accident, and um, they decide they have to pull the plug on her because she's brain dead. 
And um, that's obviously like insanely devastating. But um, the daughter reveals that the wife was cheating on him. And so um, Matt plays the guy that she was cheating with. And I love the examination of like cheating in this. It's so good. Like honestly, as someone who like is very close to people who've been through something similar, not with the coma, but like the cheating aspect, um, like just the way that they, they deal with all of that, like, also, that's funny because it's like Hawaii is the wife and Hawaii is the mistress almost. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like how like how do you deal with it when the woman that you love, who you've spent your life with, like you found out that she's betrayed you, but at this point that you find that out, it's irrelevant because she's going to be gone. She is gone. So like the scene where he says goodbye to her, like I'm actually like holding back tears right now thinking about it. Um, I love the whole portrayal of, like, the marriage between, like, Matt and Judy Greer, who, by the way, underrated actress, um, amazing. I love her performance in this, and, um, the whole thing of, like, them going to his house and confronting him, Matt is so good in the scene when they, when they show up at his house, holy shit, so, so, so brilliant, like, and that look on his face of, like, holy fuck, like, I'm about to get completely, because, of course, his wife doesn't know that he's had this affair, and, you know, I won't reveal, like, what happens, but, like, their conversation. Um, one of the lines that, like, has always stuck with me um, is... Alexander Payne has a lot of cheating movies. Yeah. I mean, it's a big part, it's a big part of life. A lot of people do it. And um, always interesting. Always an interesting thing to explore. But, uh, you know, Matthew Lord's character is, like, trying to explain it. And he's like, yeah, like, it just happened. And then um, Clooney says, nothing just happens. And he responds by saying, everything just happens. And I feel like that's like yeah. very heavy couple of words there, you know. And um, it's just one of the best. I love the way it ends too. The final shot is so, so great. And uh, just for me, one of the best that's ever been done. Wow. Yeah. My number eight is Snowpiercer, a very different type of film. Wow, cool. Another movie I watched in college. <laughs> yeah, no, Snowpiercer, we've talked about it recently, I think, because we talked about Parasite a little. Have we talked about Parasite on here? Not really. Wait, did I talk about, I talked about Snowpiercer with, maybe it was Brendan, or you, or both. I don't know if you told me to watch Snowpiercer, you might have told me to watch Snowpiercer on this. Did I? I don't know. I do say I that. I just love it, people. it's great, uh, it's just like a very specific, like the, tr- you can't make a better train film, can you? I don't think so. It's just insane, the graphics that they have on this. It also feels like kind of what the future is moving towards, which is kind of sad and scary. Yeah. Is that, like, we might literally just be in an apocalyptic world where, like, we have to be on a train that just keeps moving Um, because there's nothing else. Um, That's honestly, like, where my top ten kind of go. Oh, wait, shit, I jumped, actually. You skipped one? I did. Oh, wait, no, I didn't. No, I was on my eight. We talked, Call Me By Your Name is higher on your list. Oh, hell yeah. Um, but no, I, I just recently got into Bong Joon-ho and I'm just a huge fan now and I wish I was on to him earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I loved, like, I thought it was so exciting seeing all the different rooms of the train. Like, you just didn't know what was going to come next and all the different, like, every room was such a different vibe. And obviously, like, Tilda Swin is unreal in this movie. Like, she's so, so, so good. 
She's great in a lot of films. She's perfect in everything. My favorite thing that's happened in in the history of our world is when Tilda Swinton was an exhibit at MoMA. Do you remember? No. Oh my god, Jordan. She, just like, take a deep breath. Okay, let's just... Okay, so Tilda Swinton was laying in a glass box at MoMA and sleeping, and that was the exhibit. Wow. It was everything. Like, it was the highlight of my existence on this planet and it really didn't have anything to do with me so uh yeah i i think snowpiercer is absolutely great it's perfect film through and through you don't get a lot of those what's your number seven first reformed why am i surprised (laughs) i mean we talked about it on it was like my second favorite of last year i absolutely adore this movie and honestly it probably I don't know. I really grapple with this and Can You Ever Forgive Me. Like, in some ways it's so much better than Can You Ever Forgive Me. In some ways it's not as good. But I, you know, I've already talked about it at length and we've gone on so long here that I won't. But um, First Reform for me is like a perfect movie for sure. I like it a lot. It wasn't on my list, but it was definitely a classic. Honestly, like, I might look back on it and be like, wow, First Reform was better than I listed it on here. Just because, like, it touches on a lot of very interesting topics, I think, of this decade. It's important. It yeah, really feels important. it is important. an important film. Um, shall I move on to my seven? Yeah. I went with High Life. Whoa! Okay! I think we're going to look back at High Life once people start to discover it more and more, and I think we're going to say, wow, that is like a film that talks about our time better than any other film. Uh, Claire Denis just makes a masterpiece with cinematography, and I feel like as we move for- forward, closer to like space and living in space hell, um, I think this film was a pretty good portrayal of space and also a pretty good portrayal of the prison industrial complex, which is very rampant and does not seem to be turning around at this point, considering we're just getting deeper in debt. And if Bernie Sanders doesn't become our president, like, we're probably just going to spiral deeper into oblivion where we're in more and more debt and owe more loans and can't pay for our health care and have to end up in debtor's prison in space working on plantations building the future. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so, me and Brendan were recently in my car, and we were talking about this movie, and we couldn't think of the name. Like, we both, <laughs> we both had a brain fart at the same time, and we kept saying, hi... Hi. We couldn't think of the word life. Like, at the same time, we had the the same, like, um, just complete, like, void in our minds. And I could not think of the name of it for so long. So he's, like, really going to laugh when he hears this. (laughs) Um, Our, like, one listener. Shout out. Cool. So what's your six? My number six is a movie that has affected my life in more ways than I ever could have imagined when I first watched it. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) And Jordan's ending up uh, years later. I did see it in theaters. You did? Yeah. It's called Tangled, um, and you're hearing this right now from Flynn and Rapunzel, so you should feel really lucky. You want to hear something really wild? That was one of my friends who have been dating ever since then's, like, first date. And I was just there's third wheel. How nice. But now they've been together for 10 years. Yes. Because we've been together for a decade. Wild. Are they married? No, they're not. But they will. Shout out Eric and Marilyn. (laughs) Hey, Eric and Marilyn. Uh, So this movie, I... So at this time, like when Tangled came out, 
Like, I grew up loving the Disney princesses and everything, but um, at the time, I hadn't really been into Disney princesses for a while. Like, I didn't, like, I just didn't care, like, that much, um, but I still love Disney, and I would see, like, all the new Disney movies, and I missed this one in theaters, actually. Um, I saw it in theaters last year, actually, during um, the Dream Big Princess thing, but I didn't see it the original. That's how, like, not, like, I just wasn't that interested in princesses at that time, and I ended up watching it at home when it came out on DVD, and I remember turning it on and pausing it in the middle to use the bathroom and thinking that I loved the movie so much that I was genuinely sad that it had to end. Like, I didn't want it to end. And I really do think it's one of the most brilliant films Disney's ever made. I think it's one of the most artful films Disney's ever made. I do think it's better than, like, all the classics from my childhood. Like, I think it's a better film. Like, if you're really looking at, like, the story, the... um the design, the music, the animation, everything. Like, I really think it's better than most of all the other ones. I do think it's better than Frozen. Uh, and my favorite thing, there's so much that's good about it. I think it's, like, very genuinely good for, like, both, um, like, boys and girls. I know that was, like, a big problem because they were going to originally name the movie Rapunzel, but then, like, Flynn Rider is, like, a pretty big character in the movie. Like, even though, yes, it's about Rapunzel, like, he's not just, like, there as the prince in it. He has, like, a full-on, like storyline of his own and uh, I think the way that they like develop the two characters during the movie like you really just buy the love story so much more it's not just like like in Little Mermaid like I love Little Mermaid it'll always be one of my favorite movies especially from childhood but like Prince Eric is just a prince like he doesn't have any kind of like it's just like oh he's gorgeous and she falls in love with him and like he falls in love with her voice um, which is nice that like you know he falls in love with her talent, I guess, but it's just, they're not really people. They're, you know what I mean? Like, Ariel is more of a character, like, more of a developed character, but he's not really a person. He's just there. And, um, so I love the development of all the characters. I think the relationship between Mother Gothel and Rapunzel is so sad and so true to life. Like, all of her passive-aggressive comments and the abuse, like, the, the, the more quiet abuse, the more subdued abuse, rather than her just, like, you know, being, like, physically abusive or something. Um, is so sad and so heartbreaking and I think that the movie is genuinely funny I love the jokes I love the bits I love the drunk old tiny man in the in the snuggly duckling like that still he still makes me laugh so much and uh my favorite part of the film probably besides just like all of the visuals like obviously the lantern scene is next level animation it's just stunning um I think that the portrayal of Rapunzel's parents who obviously lost their baby at such a you know young age I think she was like a few days old or something um they made the artistic choice to not give them any lines so everything that you need to see it's like the epitome of like the first thing you learn in film school is like show don't tell because it's a movie yeah. uh, and they don't tell they they literally show the look on their faces makes me cry every single time the animation is so detailed and perfect you can see everything on their face they don't have to say anything they don't have to say anything because you understand what it would be like to lose a child like how horrible that is and everything is on their face and even like the guard at the end like when um Rapunzel comes home and um the guard runs in to um the room that the king and queen are in and he just looks at them with, like, this frenzied look on her face, like, like on his face. Like, seriously, go back and watch the scene if you haven't, like, if you're interested in film at all. Like, 
the look on his face says everything. Like, he doesn't have to say, like, Rapunzel's here or, like, she's she's alive or she's home or, like, anything. He doesn't say anything. Because they've literally been waiting for her to come. I'm going to cry. They've been waiting for her to come home every day of the past 18 years. So, like, that moment has been on the, like, on everyone's This was room mind. before room. Yes. <laughs> uh, but it's kind of, like, similar. Um that moment has been on everyone's mind for the past 18 years. And you see that in their face. This is a child. This is a kid's movie. Can we just like, can we talk? Because like, it's so brilliant. And uh, it just obviously like, it, it affected my life greatly. Like Rapunzel's like my second skin. I play her all the time. She's my favorite character to play. She's my favorite Disney character. And uh, I just think whether you are obsessed with Disney or you don't even care about Disney, any person would love this movie. It is so well crafted and well thought out. And is just, in my opinion, like one of the best things Disney's ever done. The end. Word. My it's, number six is Parasite. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Parasite, wow. A film from this year. Have we talked about it on here yet? I'm not sure. We talked about it. Yeah. And it was great. I think it's one of the best films of the year. We did talk about it on our last episode. Yeah. So, yeah. I just think it's great. I think it's going to stand the test of time. Bong Joon-ho is one of our great filmmakers right now. And I think everything he makes is a very different topic. And he does it in a very interesting and singular way each time. And we don't really need to talk about it that much more. Because we all know he's a genius. And we all know he's going to win Best Language Film this year. It's like, what could actually be said? But I will say again, which I know I said this last time. If the Academy doesn't fucking have the balls to just nominate it in Best Picture, I will scream. Oh, I think they will. Especially after Roma. I think people realize this is better than Roma. I hope so. I mean, I love Roma, but damn. What's your number five? We're into the top five. My number five is The Irishman. Like, I'm not even gonna... Like, what's the point? We don't need to go into it. You guys have heard Leah gush and gush and gush. I mean, I don't even know if I... I did talk about it last time, right? Yeah, no, we talked about it a lot. It doesn't matter. It's the best. That's it. And that's all I have to say. (laughs) It did not make my list, but I I think it's a great film. Scorsese is a master. Do I think it's the best Scorsese? Probably not. Do I think it's like a very necessary film for his complete masterworks? Yes, because I think it talks about a lot of like his past in an interesting way. And I like it for that aspect. One and I thing, also think it's a good performance by, like, Joe Pesci and, and everyone. De Niro and whatever. Wait, what I'm actually going to say, though, is, like, so the scene when he goes up to the window of the bank to talk to his daughter and she won't talk to him, and he's, like, in, he's like on a, he, like, has, like, you know, like, he has, like, a walker and everything. Like he's old. That scene, like, literally kills me so much. And, like, I would never, like, not talk to my dad. But, like, I mean, maybe I would if he was a fucking murderer. Um, but, like... That scene makes me, like, it literally makes me want to go, like, hug my dad every time I see it. Like, De Niro's face, like, that she won't even, like, she will not even talk to him. Like, she won't, like, he, it's not even worth to her, like, her saying, like, I don't want to see you. Like, she will not even look at him. Ugh! I need a nap. (laughs) My number five (laughs) was a film that also came out this year. Uh, and I think it's an instant classic, and it was engineered for the entire decade with many different protagonists in mind and many different NBA players in mind, (laughs) and it is Uncut Gems, the Safdie Brothers' masterpiece. 
that talks so much about American masculinity when it comes to capitalism. Yeah. And I don't think there's really much else to say because I don't want to spoil the film, but just watch it because you will be excited the whole time. Obviously, like, if you're my grandma, like, my grandma went to see it, this is not, like, a film for you, grandma. Uh, I'm sorry that you went to see it. Uh, <laughs> I would not have recommended you go. She I meant like for it. people who are under the age of 50 to see it for the most part. Wait. And some people over the age of 50 who are probably more in tune to, like, film and thrillers in general. But no, my grandma did not like it. She hated Uncut Gems. Really? I did not go with her, but my mom went with her, and my mom said she hated it the whole time. My mom didn't love it when she saw it, but now it's growing on her. And my dad is like, I want to watch it again. I adored it. Those are a bunch of different generations. I think if you're, like, in our generation, you'll love it. Because I think it... I think it shows, like, the world that we were given in a very clear way. (laughs) It's very specific. Yeah. It's very cool also because it takes place in 2012, but it came out at the end of the decade. Mm -hmm. So we're, like, looking back at a time when, like, Obama won his presidency again. And, like, we still were gambling. Even after the 08 collapse, like, we just went back in, we doubled down, we didn't understand our mistakes, and now we're in the same place. Uh, one thing I want to point out that I was thinking about, like, when I couldn't sleep last night was, like, the, uh, the juxtaposition of the two women in his life, the, his wife, like, the, who's older, not old by any means, but older, um, than his current girlfriend, um, who's, like, I don't know, maybe, like, 28 or something. She's not that young. She's not, like, too young for him, but, like, obviously she's young. And, um, like, he's cheating. Like, his wife knows that he's cheating. She's, like, totally done with him. She just basically lives in the house with him. Like, they're obviously not... They're not... They're legally married, but they're not together. You know what I mean? And, um... It's, like, the perfect... Like, it... it, I don't know if they did this on purpose. Probably. Like, I, I don't think I'm, like, the only person that thought of this or anything like that. But, like, I think it's a good story about age. Like... Because when you're in your 20s, like, it's exciting and fun to have a boyfriend like that. And when you're, like, that, and when you're, like, the wife's age, you're, like, I'm, like, you're not impressive to me. Like, oh, you think you're so, like, such a man because you gamble and make, and have, like. Well, that's what's hilarious. You know what I mean? Like, he's, like. like, Sandler sees himself as, like, this uncut gem and, like, he has all this potential. But, like, his wife knows he has no potential. (laughs) And she's, like, yep. I know exactly what you do. You could go off and keep gambling, but I know what you do. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, this girl is, like, so, like, young and hot, and, like, the fact that he turns her on, and the fact that, like, and, like, there's that whole scene um, at the club and everything where she's, like, kind of, you know, she's, like, cheating on him or whatever, but it's, like, are there any rules? It's, like, well, you're, he's cheating on his wife. Like, why would she hold herself to a higher standard than he is? (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like... Um, and, yeah, it's just that, that difference. Like, I also think there should be a movie where they show, like, um, I guess it's kind of like 500 Days of Summer, but, like, you know, the first day that you meet someone and you don't know about any of their bullshit and you're just, like, captivated by them versus, like, the wife that's been there for 10 years or 15 or 20 years and is, like, I know all of your dirty fucking shit and I'm not interested anymore. And I, I love that scene between them where, like, you know, he's now lost the girlfriend, so suddenly the wife is incredibly valuable to him all of a sudden. And, um, you know, he's like, I really want to make this work. And she's like, I never want to see you again. Ugh. Just like the, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> 
the way that it just portrays like wealth and how like young women are just drawn to wealth because it's like well yeah I don't have any money like mm-hmm. why not and it's just like but he doesn't have the money no. <laughs> he's literally just trying to make all this money so that he could have sex with this young woman when he used to have sex with a young woman yeah <laughs> and by the way um, Adina Menzel looks super hot in this movie like he does oh, not yeah. have a ball and chain wife or anything at all like he's just selfish well like, that's why it works yeah cause she's like an <laughs> iconic actress in her own right yeah like most men would be like very thrilled to be married to her like and you know but not him she made the money this year hell yeah oh god and she has more money than god cut gems yeah. um yeah look at her money pile up what's your number four once upon a time in hollywood cool let's move on well my number four <laughs> is the master Yay. Uh, I just rewatched The Master recently. I think we've talked about The Master a lot on this podcast in side conversations. I don't know if we've given it its due on the podcast in its own conversation, but uh, just one of Paul Thomas Anderson's masterpieces. Uh, I think it applies to power dynamics. Maybe his biggest masterpiece. I think so. Like, Amy Adams is at her best. Philip Seymour Hoffman is at his best. Philip is just... He is a he's not a human. Like he is better than any of us. Joaquin Phoenix kind of plays the aimless white man, which is like kind of defined as decade, but in a different way. <laughs> this aimless white man. I would love to like imagine being a um a fly on the wall during the filming of this. <laughs> that there's not a lot of people like Philip Seymour Hoffman's gone, you know? So it's just like you look back and they're probably like, wow, this can never happen again because it can't. You're never going to have this many talented actors and actresses in the same room yeah. doing this type of stuff, which is just like very, very intense scenes, very, very intense psychological dynamics, very, very intense like script work that they're dealing with. And he just shoots it in such a beautiful way. Paul Thomas Anderson, the goat. Honestly, man. He's like also interestingly kind of like stayed out of the media. And I think that's kind of smart. He kind of just drops films and he says, like, yep, I know they're good. Peace. Yeah. I'll let Maya Rudolph, my wife, do more cool stuff and like be more out on the internet and trending. (laughs) She does she does a lot. Like it's so funny. I always forget that they're together. They're such a sick couple. They really are. Yeah. What's your number three? When is he going to put her in a movie, by the way? Mm. My number three is Call Me By Your Name. Uh, oh my god, I can't even describe how much I love this movie. Is it our best love story on our list? <laughs> I mean, it's one of the best love stories of all time. It really is. Like, At the time that I saw this, um, I was on a break from a relationship that... Was. <laughs> wow, that was like a very telling laugh um, yeah, based no. on the conversations Jordan and I have had that will remain private. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I was on like a very, like a sh- very pretty short break from the relationship, but a break nonetheless. So, like, I was extremely tender <laughs> to like watch a movie like this. And um, 
I remember when it ended, like, I was more seeing it out of obligation. Like, I really didn't think I was going to love it that much. I was seeing it because it was, like, one of those movies at the end of the year that is endlessly praised, and you just have to see it to see if you will connect the way that other people are. And uh, basically from the first frame, I was completely enveloped in it and captivated, and uh, I couldn't believe how closely it represented that kind of, like, deep love and passion between two people, like... Um, like how, like, when you're like that, when you're like that in it with someone, like, just sitting in the same room and talking is like almost like sexier than having sex. You know what I mean? Like that, that level of like intensity. And, um, I remember when the movie ended, I like rarely do this but I just sat there and like stared at the screen like absolutely stunned by what I had just seen like unable to speak like not interested in moving uh just, I was bawling yeah like just there's like, definitely a guy cleaning up popcorn who caught me just like visibly like mm-hmm. crying just like tears just like falling like not even like just being in like a different level of like existence in that moment and, uh, you know, watching it, like, multiple times after and noticing all the little details of our relationship that are just so real, like, um, you know, again, this is, like, about a secret relationship. It's about having to hide uh, and, you know, like, they both just accept that, like, they can't be together, right? And it's, like, that phone call at the end, like, they don't even have to say, like, you. they don't have to say the things that, oh, like... God, I'm, you like, know, getting, like, chills. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, they don't have to say all the things that, like, a lesser movie would have them say, right? Like, a lesser movie would have them be like, I miss you so much, I don't know what to do, like, what the fuck, this is awful, like, let's meet up or something. That not, They're not going to meet up. He has to marry this other person. That's it. And, uh, and he just says, I remember everything. Like, that to me, I almost, like, passed out. I was like, okay, this is the best movie of all time. And uh, if you watch the movie, and I'm sure, you know, everyone listening, if you're, if you got this far in the podcast, you've watched this movie probably 10 times. It's like, there's so many little details. Like when, um. What is it on? Streaming wise? Like, can you even watch it somewhere? Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. Huh. I've, I've not watched it multiple times. I've only watched it that time in the theater. Yeah, I don't blame you. Like, I, but I, I don't know. I've watched it a lot, but, um. My favorite, like, one of my favorite moments, I mean, I can't have one, but, like, one of my favorite moments is when they get to leave on that trip together, and they're finally, like, not under, the, like, the roof of the parents and stuff, so, like, they they get to be on a trip together. Like, they get to be alone, they get to be just, like, gay, and they get, <laughs> they get to just, yeah. like, be together without, like, having to, like, sneak around so much, and, like, they get to be in a place where, like, people don't know them, so, like, they don't have to really hide, and, and you can just tell, like, um, like, um... Um, you know, uh, he starts laughing, um, Oliver starts laughing, and, like, they don't really address it, it's like, you know, he just starts laughing, like, when they're, when the bus is about to, like, leave, and they don't, again, like, there's so many moments that they don't have to, like, get into why, like, but you you know, like, if you've been in a relationship, you know he's laughing, because, like, they're free all of a sudden, like, it's just so good, and every single moment is like that, every single moment is, like, bleeding with this like passion and reality that like if you've ever been in love and I mean like well yeah it's also the difference between like your first relationship and your first love 
love. Yeah, your and first like, like real shit. Deep, deep in love, and just like having your heart broken for the first time. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Yeah, and like so, this is something really personal. I'm gonna share, but I don't care because like this is what we're here for in the world. So like that relationship that I was on a break from, like when we started talking again soon after. Um, we hadn't even talked about the movie, obviously, because we were not talking, but he had seen it, and I had seen it, and um, he just, like, sent me, like, a screenshot of the song, like, for the movie Mystery of Love, and, like, it was, it was, again, like, it was, like, a, it was, like, a moment in the movie, like, we didn't have to talk about yeah. why he was sending me that song, like, we didn't talk about why he was sending me that song, I understood, he understood, and that was it, like, this the, the way that this movie shows such restraint like it could have been so bad to me like they could have totally overwritten it and they don't like they just they just did it perfectly yeah i think that's what's really beautiful about it i also like once again like i was saying with tangerine like it was good to have like a gay romance that really wasn't about the gay thing yeah. also it's just about love just about love and oh my god there's gonna be a sequel yes thank you Baby Jesus. I, I hope they don't ruin it, though. They won't. I'm sure it's going to be good. It's going to be like, amazing. Yeah. We might never see those two have roles as great as that. I, well, because there are no roles. Like, there is no... The movies are not this good normally. Yeah. <laughs> like... Like, now I've seen Timothy Chalamet in, like, five movies after that, and it's just, like, that was, like, special. Yeah, I mean, like, he's great, Like, we might but... never see a performance of him acting that's as good as that. And, no. like, people were like, oh, he was too young to win Best Actor, but he probably should have won it for he that role. He should have won it. And then we should have just moved on from him and let him do whatever he wanted. Because, <laughs> like, now it's just like, oh, are we just going to get, like a Leo career now where we just watch him constantly and he's constantly trying to outpace other people and do crazier shit. I don't wow, know. I just I would have loved to see Leo in Army's role actually, but that's that would an have been alternate interesting. universe. Wow. Yeah. Well my number three is sorry to bother you. Oh, yeah. You, you knew this was it. coming. You love it so much. Uh, I've talked about <laughs> it extensively on this, but like... Once again, if, like, Bernie Sanders isn't our president, then, like, I think we're just moving closer and closer to sorry to bother you. Not, like, the weird sci-fi stuff, but just, like, the concept of a company controlling us and holding their our heads underwater, basically. <laughs> and, like, we're forced to work for them. And if we don't stomp on our fellow man to like get up in that one company and then like we're screwed which is kind of what we have with amazon like amazon literally controls the entire like retail marketplace apple controls the entire like technology marketplace um google owns all of our data and facebook knows all of our personal lives and it's just like yep we let this happen because we did not care and we saw it happening and we were just like yep I'm going to work hard and try to get higher than other people. Uh, definitely watch it. It's good comedy, very stylistic. Tessa very. Thompson and Lakeith Stanfield were definitely icons of this decade. And I think this film is like a good culmination of both of their personalities and both of kind of what they stand for. Also, Boots Riley just made a great film and kind of chose to stay out of the film industry as opposed to playing the game. And I don't think you should be punished for not playing the game. Because he made an amazing film. Word. Wait, um, this movie is best earrings in a motion picture. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Best fashion. 
What was your number two? Inside Lewin Davis. I love it. This movie, like... Ugh. Has a special place in my heart. Me too. Great cat. We've talked about it a lot, because I feel like we did a Coen Brothers episode at some point. We did a Coen Brothers episode? Didn't we? No. No? Am I still listening? <laughs> I think you made that up. Did we not talk about pick our favorite Coen film? I feel like that happened at one Maybe, point. but I, we definitely didn't do a whole episode. Maybe not. You're right. I think I did. I feel like I did talk about this, but I don't know. I mean, it's just so um, important. Like, I watched it every day at one point. Like, I don't really do that anymore. But it's I so good. I know. I used to watch it every day. Actually, it was my first semester of college ever. And, like, I was, like, my whole life I was, like, very not into going to college. And then suddenly I was going. And, like... Um, it was like the spring semester, so it started off like being very, very cold and I would just be like freezing my ass off and I'd be in this like new environment where I didn't know anybody or I didn't know what to do. And then like I would come home and watch this movie every day and it like comforted me so much because I was like, oh, like this is the whole point of like why I'm on this planet. Like this is like the whole like point. This is like the, all the pursuit of like any, any artist or actor, like if you don't love this movie, there's like something wrong with your brain. And I would suggest like getting help because like, if you can't relate to this as an artist, like, or as a person, I just don't understand that. Like, it's so sad that like this New York doesn't exist. Like you can't even be an artist in New York like this. His exhaustion is so like, has, has artistic exhaustion ever so well been portrayed? Like, but he still like keeps going. He's out there with this fucking guitar and like walking down the street and, you know, um, on the road trip with John Goodman, which can we talk please? Because like, I can't handle how good it is. Uh, and everything, him and Carrie Mulligan, uh, his little like their little scene at the like she's so done. You should, this is another one where she's like so over it. Like you know she loves him, but like she's so done. She's like, are you kidding me? Like how much longer am I gonna have to deal with this? You know, and uh, oh. and this tr- introduced me to Oscar Isaac, which I had never seen or heard of him before. And like, I mean, I think we all needed like a shot of heroin or something after experiencing him in this movie because it oh, might yeah. be the best debut of all time. And I don't understand how he isn't a recording artist. Like, I don't get that because he's so talented and I still listen to the music all the time. Yeah, he honestly played the role of a folk singer just so delicately and just in such a wonderful way. Like, I don't think anybody could have watched that and been like, damn, like, I wish this was more of a Dylan character. Like, he just played it in such a cool way that made you be like, no. Mm -hmm. I like that it's inside Lewin Davis. Like, I like that we're following the scumbag. (laughs) Kind of like... Grifter. <laughs> it is, um, it's almost, it's, it's a version of Bob, but it's based on Dave Von Ronk. Word. Who was a real artist, uh, and he actually did record one of the songs they did in the movie. I can't remember now. I used to know all the trivia on this movie, like, it was in my own biography. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just love the whole, like, the portrayal, too, of, like, the 60s scene. Very interesting. And, like, I think... Like, when he says, like, I'm exhausted in a way that, like, can't be fixed with sleep or, like, whatever that line is, it's, like, so true. Like, as an actor, I've literally, like, um, I went on my first audition at age seven and now I am 87. So, like, (laughs) I, (laughs) so, like, it's been, it's been a long time and, like, I'm so exhausted. Like, I can't even, sometimes I think, like, I'll just see, like, a tweet or something from a casting director and I'm, like, I'm quitting. Like, I'm, like, I can't, and I'm, like, why am I doing... 
like, what is wrong with me? Why am I doing this? Like, why would anyone do this? And, like, I guess how good the movie is, like, reminds you of why you do it. And that's another reason why I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is, like, that movie just reminded me of why I even try this. Like, so, ugh. I love the ending. Yes, I love every, I mean. Just, like, stylistically, like, the whole film form fits the... This the is, yeah. as well. So it's just like all together, just like one of the greatest films ever, I think. This is a movie that I'll like often buy people. Like, I feel like that's more of a thing people do with books. Like, they'll just give someone a book that they read that they loved or they'll buy it for them. Like, I buy people this DVD and I just give it to them. Like, whether or not, like, it doesn't have to be someone who's like into music too. And like, I also like will play them the song, like the Fare Thee Well song. Like, if they don't know this movie, I just like play them that song and, um, like just like let's 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 just sit in silence and listen to this song, please. Cool. Yeah. My number two film is Get Out. Ooh. Uh, Get I just. Out. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we don't have to talk about it too much because we had a Get Out. Do we have a Get Out episode? No, I was in New Orleans still when I saw this. I think. Yeah, right? we didn't have an episode. I was but... definitely in New Orleans when this came out. Actually, I think. Did I see this in New Orleans? I think I saw it in New Orleans. Uh, Get Out was just, I think, a perfect film for when it came out. Uh, Key and Peele was definitely the most iconic sketch show of, like, our decade, most likely. It's so fucking good. Uh, So, like, I just think it's fitting that, like, the best sketch comedian also made one of the best films. Uh, And it was a horror film... I think there's a lot of, like, cultural things that came from Get Out that we're going to talk about for generations and generations. It was just a masterpiece from, like, straight out of film school (laughs) in a lot of ways. Uh, Everything about it was just so detailed and to the point. And I think at the time, the racial stuff was more impactful, but I think, like, as we go further, like, I think we're going to look at it more from, like, class perspectives. Mm-hmm. which is like a lot of what it is and if you're like getting deeper than the initial surface and the stupid people watching it for the first time and like stupid america like stupid america could get the race stuff but like america doesn't really get the class stuff of that and i think that's like the really cool shit is just how like rich white liberals will always try to subject other people <laughs> and, like, and just try to control everything and, and just think they can take whatever they want even if it's a person yeah it's just, like, the metaphor for colonization and just, like, do you, like, realize what's going on around you? And, like, a lot of white liberals had to watch that film and be like, oh, God, I am that that dad. Like, I am terrible. Like, obviously, you're not that violent and doing things on that level. But, like, you watch that and you're like, oh, yeah, I am still white. Like, <laughs> which is good. Like, we needed to be told that shit. Like, because Black Lives Matter is still a thing. And, like, it definitely had a lot of good cop interactions in a way that wasn't, like, too triggering, but was, like, very, uh, very representative of the time that we're living in. Yeah. And also, this was another, like, very big cultural moment. It was so exciting to see this movie because, like, there was so much hype around it. And, like, you just knew it was something special and that it was going to be really good but you just didn't know in what way exactly and like it it was one of those things that you like when I went to see it I was like so excited and it it did live up to the hype for me like I was very into it the whole time and it it is like a genuinely unnerving like 
especially the performances, like, just the look on their faces, like, the, the people that had been, you know, I guess you could just say taken um, into the sunken place. Like, especially, what's her name? The one, the maid... I can't remember, oh, but like yeah. that, that, that scene between them, like, oh my God, like that's that look on her face. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It was also like the introduction to, uh, Caleb Landry Jones, who just had a very interesting year that year and had like a lot of very cool, like crazy white brother, crazy white cousin roles. It felt like Word. this film was, uh, I don't think we could talk about it enough. I feel like we're going to look back 20, 30 years from now and be like, yep, mm-hmm. get out. And a lot of people are going to try to mimic it and do similar things. Yeah. What's Everyone. your number one? Uh, my number one is the Florida Project, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> We've talked about the Florida Project a lot. Um, so I guess we'll talk about it in tandem with another Florida film, Moonlight. <laughs> Oh, wow, but very different movies. Very different, but also, like, very similar about just being a child and how much the way you're raised and, like, the adults around you influence your life and your happiness in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, My favorite actress in the world is Brooklyn Prince, the little girl from Florida Project. Yeah. That's another performance that I just don't understand how it happened. Like, when you're that young, how do you understand? The, like, And she didn't understand the depths of what was going on in the script, but, like, at the same time, she did in some way. Like, she performed it perfectly, so she must have understood it on some level. Yeah. It's, like, the same level of when the, the child version is just, like, what's a faggot. Yeah. And it's, like, when you see that scene, you're just, like... Mm-hmm. they don't even know the magnitude of this scene <laughs> like it's literally just like a child who hasn't even lived through the hate of the world yet and is like uttering this but like you still can see it in his eyes and like see the pain of his bullying mm-hmm. and just like the the whole like I don't even know like <laughs> but like okay so Moonlight is like so good that like I don't even know how to talk about it because I feel like I am not even like a, I'm not like good enough to talk about it <laughs> Like, I don't, not, like, good enough as a person, but, like, good enough in my, like, articulation to, like, even explain. I get goosebumps, like, every time I see a picture from this film. Yeah. It's just so beautifully shot. I saw this in New Orleans, like, uh, at the New Orleans Film Festival, and people were like, yeah, you have to see this film. Like, you have to see Moonlight. Like, this is the film. Like, it's premiering here. Like, we're doing some stuff here. Yeah, like, check it out. And, like, I was like, oh. When I saw that film, like, I was like, this is what filmmaking is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Literally just like, it was also a very bizarre time in my life when I saw that film. I was finishing up college uh, and doing my capstone film, very depressed, in a weird, like, kind of relationship, kind of not relationship. Mm -hmm. Also figuring out my sexuality and considering a lot of that stuff. Really stuck with me. I love every scene. Uh, I was gonna like talk about a specific scene, but then I realized there were like ten other scenes that I loved like just as much. Um, obviously, like everything on the beach, yeah. and the entire like last the twenty minutes. Yeah, like I don't. Um, 
just like the way that they're like just even looking at each other if you watch that scene on mute like you will still <laughs> if you watch the whole movie on mute you will still understand completely everything it's very it's visual storytelling at its best and yeah I think with both of those films like at the age that I am now like I look back at my childhood I look back at my teen years and I'm just like damn I wish I could like feel that way again and, like, you definitely see that at the end of Moonlight, and you definitely feel that from, like, the parents, how they're, like, stressed that they can't give their children innocence mm-hmm. in the Florida Project. The Florida Project just, like, again, that's, like, another movie that made me realize, like, why I even try this, like, why I'm even in this, like, business or whatever. Like, if you can portray something that well and in such a detailed manner that feels so real almost like you're watching a documentary but even better then like if someone can do that like if sean baker can even do that then like the pursuit of all this that we're doing is worth it but um yeah i don't know if any other movie like i don't i just like i just love what it says about the world and um i love the way that it was shot obviously um you know like everyone knows i mean i guess Everyone who listened to this podcast knows the story of, like, how this was made and all that kind of stuff, so I don't even need to get into it. Um, But I just love every frame of it, and I can't, uh, I can't, like, like, again, this is, like, another one where I'm, like, it's too good for me to even, like, articulate why I love it so much. Every scene is so beautiful and so sad and so, like, it's, like, sickeningly beautiful or, like, sickeningly upsetting. Um, And the final scene with... I love the way it ends. The, the ending is very controversial of this movie. Some people hate the ending. I absolutely oh, love the ending. It. Thought love it was perfect. Um, especially someone who has like escaped to Disney literally many times, especially when I was going through hard things in my life and I had a friend that worked there so I could go there cheaply and um, just kind of like run rampant. Like <laughs> completely like completely relate. Um, but Brooklyn Prince is outstanding in that last scene where she has to cry and um, it's that un. It's that that feeling she captures. Well, they all. I mean, obviously, she's not the only person who worked on this scene. But like, the the that feeling when you're a kid and things are chaotic around you and you don't have control over what's happening and you're like so upset and mad and frustrated because you can't do anything about what's happening, and like when she's saying goodbye to her friend and she's crying and um and she just says, "I can't say it." <sighs> That, she's like such a little girl. She's like the age of like the parties that we do. Like she's yeah. just like a baby. And, oh yeah. And it's... she's just like doing this scene. Like come on, man. Well, I feel like that's just the difference in like class in America in a lot of ways too. Is like there's some people in America who get to enjoy Disney, and there are people who get to enjoy princess parties and like They're have this magical that. experience. And then there's some people who are just kind of abandoned by their parents because their parents have to work constantly and they have to make their own fun and they get themselves into trouble that like could ruin their lives mm-hmm. and like they're really not yeah right it's such a different world and you know that this little girl doesn't even like sure she's heard about the disney parks like she knows that they're there like she knows about mickey mouse and stuff but like she doesn't even know like when you're raised in a in a motel by like a teen mom um what do you even know like you don't even know what the world is like you don't know that there's a life outside of that you don't know that there's a life outside of like running around in 80 90 degree weather and like 
at the same time though, like I obviously had a very different childhood than this. Like I had, I had like compared to this, I had a fucking luxurious childhood in a castle. Well, real. <laughs> um, but but like it really cat. Like I love the way that he shot it because it really felt like you were with the kids, yeah. and it really felt like your childhood again. Like yeah. I had a very like my mom was like more strict, but I. Um, like with like she wouldn't let me go anywhere alone like she's very nervous about something happening to me but I had um, friends growing up that were also like very poor and um, they didn't live in a motel like they did have a house but it was like very run down and like they didn't have any money and like the mom had five kids and my mom was always like buying them like buying her like diapers and all this stuff because she literally just like didn't have any money and like she couldn't be as strict with her kids because she had five of them and could barely like take care of one so like when I was over there with them, like, we would just run around the whole neighborhood freely. Like, we didn't have to ask to leave the house. We didn't have to ask to go over to the neighbor's house. We didn't ask anything. We just would leave and walk through the woods and go to someone's house and then end up, you know, getting in the car with their older brother and driving to the movies and seeing a movie and then coming home and then, like, you know, being in the woods at night and there's a bonfire. And that kind of shit would never, ever happen, like, under my mom's supervision, ever. Yeah. Um, and so, like, it felt so wild to me and, like, crazy and, like, anything can happen. And that that feeling, like, had I not had that experience with that family, I don't think I would have got this movie as much as I did. But, like, just the whole, like, the way that he shoots, like, on their level, like, them, like, running around and that kind of, like, summer vibe when it's, like, hot and you're home from school and you have nothing to do and you're just, like, getting into trouble, like, whether it's, like, real trouble, like, what they get into or just, like, kid trouble that's, like, nothing. Um, yeah, I mean, I could literally, like, do a commentary on this movie and break down every scene. It's my number one of the decade, so thank you, Sean Baker. And thank you guys so much for listening to Movie Yay! Cinema Film. You guys make us so happy, and we're going to watch a lot more movies in the new decade. So many movies. Maybe we'll even be in some movies. We will be. I was just in a movie this year, actually. It's called Inside Game, and I was in a scene with Scott Wolf and Will Sasso, so Check look out, out for that. It didn't come out. It, it was in the movies. It didn't come out yet, so. Peace. Yeah, bitch. Love. Yeah, bitch. Movie Cinema Film. <laughs> Good night. Bye.